Good morning, Connect Church. Good morning. All right, we ready for the Word of God this morning? Are you guys ready? Amen. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor D. Some people call me PD. Some people, when they're mad at me, call me the Pastor of Disaster. But uh, whatever, just call me, okay? Just call me. Hey, let's close our eyes for a second. I want to pray over the Word part of this service because um, I really feel like I have something for a lot of people in this room is going to help you in a big way. And I don't want you to take it lightly. Amen. Are you, can you get in agreement with me just for a minute? Like, let's just not go to church. Let's be the church. Let's be changed from the inside out. Let's, let's get something in here that we can use out there. Amen. So, Lord, with every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, I thank you so much for your word. The Bible says that the word of God is powerful. And the word of God is, in John 6, 63, spirit and life. And I pray, God, that you would put life into this word because your Holy Spirit is inspiring the word of God. It, it, it takes letter and it puts spirit on it. And, Lord, when that happens, things change. Lord, go right into our hearts, right into our minds, even our bodies, Lord. Transform us, change us, make us different, more like you. And I thank you in advance, Lord God, for what you're going to do in this service. I thank you because you're, you're, you're changing people in this church. You've done it in the midst of worship, and you're, you're doing it even now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen and amen. Turn to your neighbors say, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I can't. There we go. I finally got it to work for me. Um, so I'm in a, a series that we started last week. And how many here last week? Raise your hand if you were here at the beginning of the series. Praise God. Ten of you. Uh, so just kidding. I'm too tired to raise my hand. That's what we're talking about. Getting some rest so you get a little more energy. Uh, and so this series is a pastoral series. It's, it's a series to kind of help you get healthy. Amen. And I'm, I'm expecting some feedback in this service. The first, uh, the first service I was depleted, and so you're going to have to make up for that. Uh, so I'm coming for you. Um, but this, this idea of full throttle is that we're, we're running so hard. Uh, you know, if we're not careful, uh, you know, we're going too fast. We're going too furious. We, we're we're going to break down. If you, don't, if you don't slow down, you will break down. If you don't once in a while downshift, idle a little bit. Or last week, like I talked about, park the car. Right? In other words, you got to pull over once in a while and just stop, pit stop. If you don't, something could stop you. Something could trip you up. And many of us, like we learned last week, it looks like things are going okay. Everything's moving forward. We have momentum. But we could be, uh, remember the analogy, hydroplaning on temporary momentum. We're moving forward, but we're actually out of control, and we could lose control in a heartbeat and crash. And so this series is dedicated to getting us back on the road. We're using kind of a car analogy uh, to the best of my ability to try to help us see things, understand things better as we go forward in this series. Amen? So today's message uh, we're gonna, is called Check the Gauges. Checking the gauges. And if you thought about a car, you know, a sports car it has like three gauges. I don't remember all three of them, speedometer, odometer, and something else. Tachometer, thank you very much. There's a man, a car aficionado in the house, praise the Lord. And so uh, we're going to use that kind of um, uh, topic to talk about kind of three ways that we can kind of monitor our heart. Um, but I'll start with a story. Um, years ago, I was, um, by the way, I want to highlight my, my, my baby girl is in the house, my little blueberry, Morgan Fry, and her fiance, Anthony Martinez, are in the house. Can you just give it up? Back from Oklahoma, they have moved here, and uh, they're living here now. I'm so happy to have my baby with me, and, and uh, Anthony, you're okay. Um, 
you're not, you're not in the family yet. You got a couple more months. No, I'm just kidding. No, that is my son, and I am happy to have him. Uh, he's my golf buddy. Anyway, um, so years ago when I was back at school, um, my parents would send me off to school by myself, all by myself, in my Volkswagen, not my rabbit, but my Scirocco. How many remember the rabbit, the Volkswagen rabbit? Raise your hand. Date myself, 10 people. Praise the Lord. It was car was called a rabbit, Volkswagen rabbit. And then the upgrade from that was the Scirocco. And Scirocco was a little sportier, a little leaner, a little meaner. I had a black Scirocco, five on the floor, Bose sound system, little wing back, sunroof. Man, I was bringing it righteous. I looked good. Okay? That's all that mattered to me, by the way, back then. And so my parents would send me off with nothing but an Atlas. Some of you don't even know what that is. But anyway... I didn't even know phones. I had a Texaco credit card and 35 bucks. That's it. Good luck. Good luck, son. Good luck with your life. You know, 1,100 miles across country. Have a blast. But then when I would, I would, sometimes I'd have people go with me to school, but I could never get people on break to come back with me. Nobody wanted to go from Oklahoma back to Boston. I don't know why. I could never, I don't know why. You know, but anyway, I'm driving back in the winter, it's a winter break, and I'm coming back, and I'm in Pennsylvania, in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. For some of you who've done any driving, I'm on Route 80, which is kind of the cross highway. There's little highways that go down, 81 different ones. But I'm about three hours outside of Scranton in the Poconos, two hours maybe, something like that. And I'm up in the mountains. I'm up in the mountains, okay? I'm 19 years old, and it's pitch black outside, there's no gas stations. There's no Texacos in Pennsylvania at the time, okay? I'm like, you guys are tech. They don't even know what I'm talking about. And, and I'm, I'm running out of gas, but I've got an engine problem that's more a problem than my gas problem. I've got an under-the-hood issue with my car, and I don't know exactly what it is, but every now and then, steam's coming out, you know? And... Basically, I had a radiator problem. It wasn't the end of the world. My dad told me, you know, just bring a gallon of water with you and just band-aid that thing. You'll be fine. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of advice you get from parents back then. So I've got a water jug, a Texaco card, and 35 bucks and some pennies in my change thing. That's my equipment for getting home. The car starts to overheat. I pull over. I'm on a mountain, cliff, mountain, black. I'm talking, I can see nothing. Okay, except my own headlights getting me where I need to go. And so the car overheats, I pull over, and I'm just going to be honest. I'm 19 years old. I'm a grown man. I'm scared to death to get out of the car. Okay, I am. So I'm in, nothing, there's nothing. So I get out. I, I, I got to get my little water jug. I got to wait for the thing, you know, to cool down enough so I can pull the cap off and fill the thing up. And, and uh, I got to let it cool. So I got the hood up. I got the headlights on. I'm scared. So I get back in my car. I do what any teenage man would do when he's scared to death. I turn on the radio so loud I can't even think. <laughs> that still happens today, apparently, okay? I don't want to face reality. What do I do? I turn up my radio as loud as possible. Close the door, and it, I'm telling you, it's loud. I don't know what I'm playing. Brian Adams, run to you, something like that. And as I'm just blasting away, forgetting about reality, you know, the lights, wait for the car to cool, I, I can see it's finally cooled down because I got a little crack between the hood up and I can see the engine and I can see it's cool down. So I'm getting ready to get out. So I open the door. As I open the door, an 18-wheeler that I could not hear zings by at like 70 miles an hour, almost rips the door off my car, and I scream like a girl, okay? <laughs> True story. Slam the door shut and I realize, wait a second, I got to get out <laughs> to close the hood of my car. So I get out. 
uh, to close the hood of my car, and as I get out, now it's quiet. I mean, it is silent. It's black, and I'm like just getting over, putting the cap on. I'm getting ready, and all of a sudden, I hear I can hear twigs breaking. I can hear something's moving. Something's coming near. It's getting close. Oh, my God. I get back in my car. I shut the door, and I do what any 19-year-old grown man would do. I turn the radio up really loud. And I'm like, no, I better not do that. But I, I start to turn around that, and all of a sudden, I see this huge shadow come over the front of the car. And I look between the little crack, between the hood where the headlights are, and there is a huge black bear. And he's looking at me, and he folds his hands, and he says, Lord, thank you for the meal of which I'm about to eat. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I just made that up. But he's looking at me. And I, I don't know why. Back then, I wasn't as big as I am now. He's like, skin and bones. You know, that's just a drumstick. Let's go. He leaves. Goes down over the hill. Uh, my, my, I just can't explain the adrenaline. I can't explain the, the, just the, the internal, you know, combustion inside me. Finally, I get enough nerve to get out, shut the hood, close it, get back in the car. I take off. Now, my adrenaline was so pumped that when I finally got home, I realized I had just driven 26 hours straight without stopping. I was supposed to get a hotel in Scranton, but I drove all the way home because there was so much going on under the hood. Are you guys tracking with me on this, okay? And some of you are riding and running and going, and you've got issues under the hood that are driving you beneath the surface. And if you don't pay attention to that at some point, there's, your, your engine's going to overheat, and something's going to happen. There's going to be a breakdown, and you're going to be on the side of the road, and hopefully no bear meets you there while you're there. But this term in, in the mechanics world is thermal viscosity. It's, it's an engine that's about to overheat. The oil is heating, and, and when it heats up so, so, so high, so much, sometimes it can even burn the metal, and, 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 it, and, it can, and it can kill and destroy an engine. And again, I'm not a mechanic, so don't judge me. But I'm just trying to say that's exactly what can be happening sometimes in our lives. It's not so much external. It's internal today that I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about what's going on under the hood. The engine, the heart of the person that's, that's, that you're looking at, that you that you're, should be paying attention to. And so, like a dashboard on the car, there are three gauges that help you measure what's going on in your engine. What's, what's going on in your heart and what, what's going on in your life. And I'm going to give you these three gauges, but I want you to know that at the end of each one of these, I'm going to give you a point of application. And I'm going to give you a question you need to ask. So this is very, very practical. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is very practical. Get ready. All right. Because I want you to know your, I want you to know your true disposition, your true position. Are you in a posture of peace? Are you in a position of rest? What is the true condition of your soul? Is everybody with me right now? So sometimes it will get quiet in here because this will hit, this will hit hard, different ways, different points. But again, I'm not here for high fives and likes. I'm here to pastor you. Amen? So the first, core, the first gauge is, number one, you have to check your motives. Your motives. Okay? And this is part two of the series, so if you didn't get part one, you got to go back. Check your motives. Your motives are the hidden drivers of your life. They're the things that you can't see. That's why, they're, that's, that's why we call them hidden drivers, because you can't, you can't see them. But they're the why we do what we do, not the what we do. You need to know why if you're going to change it, if you're going to change those things. But in order to be able to deal with the motives of our life, just like in the story that I gave you, you need to have the lights on. You can't see it without the lights on. You've got to lift the hood up, and you've got to put the light on the engine. 
and whether it be a flashlight or headlights, you've got to be able to see what's going on in your heart. And the lights for us as Christians is God's word, the light of his word. His word is referred to as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our, our path. So we need the word. But I want to talk to you about how to use the word or apply the word in your life. But just know this. The light of God's word will help you see or reveal the true condition of your heart. I call these these experiences mirror moments. When you read the word, you're not looking through it as a window. You're looking at it as a mirror, a a way to, to see your reflection. To see your reflection, okay? So I'll come back to that word in a little bit. Hebrews 4.12, the latter part of the verse says that the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intense motive of the heart. It's a discerner of the thoughts, intents, or motives of the heart. So it's his word that gives us these mirror moments with him. Now, as a point of transition, let me say, uh, and this little sobering analogy or illustration, has anybody by a show of hands ever been to a funeral? Raise your hand if you've ever been to a funeral. Okay. All right. If you haven't, God bless you. There's certain aspects of that that are, that are wonderful to be able to say. But, but for those of you who, who have, uh, we know this to be true if we're honest, that there are certain benefits to having been at one. What are you talking about, Pastor D? Well, Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, he said, the wisest man in the world said, funerals are better than parties. Because it's a funeral, in the message translation, it says, you learn something. Parties, you don't learn anything. Funerals, you learn something. You think about things that are important. We, we think about the fact that our end is an eventuality. Death and taxes are an eventuality, Okay. They will happen, all right? And so, so when you're at a funeral, what happens is you take a time out. You pause. You think. You're processing things at a higher level uh, order of being because of the nature of the event of which you're experiencing. You realize and you begin to think and ask questions. Am I ready to meet my maker? Right? You, you think things like that. I wonder, I wonder what they'll say about me and my eulogy. Have you ever thought that? Well, I have in those moments. Uh, you know, um, I wonder what, when my time will come. Oh, that's a big one because the Bible says in Psalm 90 verse 12, uh, teach me to number my days. Number my days. Because prior to, the, prior to, in many cases, the funeral, we were living our life like there were no limits. But now, we, now because of the funeral, we're living our life because with the realization there are limits. And that we need to maximize the days we have inside those limits. Are you with me? Now, so what's happening is we're looking at our life through an accidental or unintentional event with sobriety and seriousness. But God wants you to be able to do this on the regular, on a routine basis. And be able to hit pause and be able to take a time out and be able to ask some tough questions. Like, am I doing the most important things in my life? What things should I be doing differently now in lieu of the limitations that are on my life? But many times we're not intentional about it and we're not taking advantage of these things. And so what happens in a funeral is what God wants to happen in your life. You need to reflect on your life. You need to reflect. You need to stop. And so the principle really of this first gauge is reflection. Everybody say reflection. 
Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 or 5. It says, God will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. By the way, who brings it to light? God. So whatever motivation, hidden driver there is beneath you that is motivating you, that is pushing you past often your limits, the Bible is saying the person who will help you see what that is is God. You need to know this and you need to accept this. God will help you see through the light of his word in mirror moments and times of reflection what are those drivers that are moving me past my limits. They're taking me out of bounds that that could create thermal viscosity breakdown uh, spiritually, emotionally and physically. Because what happens is whether it is by fault or default, the human tendency is to think when I don't have peace, when I'm very stressed out, when I'm running on fumes, our our default is to think I have too much going on. It's an activity issue. Now, I'm not saying busy is not a problem. Busy is a major problem. We talked about that last week. But in my opinion, if you were sitting on a couch horizontally in front of a therapist, you wouldn't be talking about how packed your schedule is. You would be talking about the problems that you were having relationally. You would be talking about issues of the heart. You would be talking about certain things that are driving you to do things that you don't want to be doing on the outside because of things that are happening on the inside. Are you getting what I'm saying right now? Okay? So it's not so much an issue of activity, it's an issue of the heart. And so these hidden drivers, some of them which are negative, uh, I'll highlight for you. It could be guilt. Uh, it could be fear that is driving you to certain behaviors. You, got, you know, you're afraid of not having enough, and so you're going to work 80, 90, 100 hours a week because you're not going to be poor like your parents were poor, like what you went through, and you're never going to be that way. And the motivation is fear. The driver is fear. God wants to set you free from that. Are you with me, everybody? It could be guilt. You know what I mean? Because of the way, you know, well, we got to go do this and we got to spend money on that because my wife or my mother-in-law or, or somebody is making me feel guilty. I have stories coming through my mind. I'm going to just not go there. Uh, sometimes, uh, another one, I'll just use myself, uh, a hidden driver could be the fear of man. Or I like to call it modern translation, an approval addiction. So we're doing things because we're trying not to get the praises of, of God, but the praises of men. Right. We, we, were, we were talking about, Pastor Jim was exhorting the worship team this morning, encouraging the, the worship team. Hey, listen, first service, first song. Hey, I don't want you to be focused on what's going on out there in the audience because you're not worshiping for an audience out there. You're worshiping for an audience of one. And so, amen. And so you got to come bring all you have because that's who you're doing it for. Now, by the same token, it's important for the audience to be in church for the first song. Can I just make a little pastoral comment there in the middle of this? Because you're not just here for the word. You're here to worship God. It's not what you get. It's what you give first. Can I have an amen from the 11 a.m.? Praise the Lord. (laughs) But the fear of man can motivate you to do some stupid things and, and even have some embarrassing moments. It reminds me of a, a, a young attorney. He was setting up his office in Boston, and, and he got his office, and, and, and he had no clients. He had no customers yet, but, but, but somebody was coming up the stairs that looked like a potential client, and so he tried to pretend that he was all that in a bag of chips. You know what I mean? Like, like he got something going on. So he picks up the phone, which is not even plugged in. The computer's not plugged in, and he begins to act like he's talking to a client. 
And so, you know, I got what you need. But sorry, I'll be with you just a second. And he's just playing this whole thing off. And so the guy's just standing there. Finally, he's, I'll be right with you. He hangs up the phone. And he's like, what can I help you with? He goes, I'm here from AT&T to plug your phone in. <laughs> These drivers will drive you to some stupid experiences. Right? You all can tell the story on that. Proverbs 16.2 says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives, everybody say motives, motives. are weighed by the Lord. Amen. So it's God's job to help you see in the mirror of your, to reflect and to be able to see what's really going on. And so there are good drivers. There are things that we, we do want to motivate us, i.e. God's approval, living for an audience of one. Jesus did this incredible. Yeah. Jesus modeled this for you and me. It's amazing, Jesus, when you think about his life, he, he, um, he's basically 30 years old. Nobody knows who he is and all his superpowers and incredible abilities and wisdom and blah, blah, blah. A few, few situations, but for the most part, nothing. And then he gets baptized. He gets baptized <laughs> by John the Baptist, right? And John the Baptist baptized him and has this incredibly monumental, memorable experience where God the Father audibly speaks from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased you know, and, and whom I love, uh, just incredible. And, and that moment that everybody got to see and everybody got to hear, for you or for me would have been a launch pad for our website and our name. For, if you put that in today's world, it would have been a, a campaign slogan we would have brought out of that experience for our new book release. Right? Like, think about what we would, we would have started some kind of major ministry off that monumental moment. And, and Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus didn't use that to self-promote. He instead went into preparation, not into self-promotion. He went away into the wilderness right out of that at the instruction of his father. And in John 14, the first part of the verse says, knowing who he was and where he'd come from. So he knew who he was in relationship with God. He knew where he came from. It wasn't about this. It was about this connection. And then later he gives us instructions. The, the enemy has no hold on me. So he wasn't controlled by the world. He wasn't controlled by the devil. And then he says, but I do want the world to know something. And all of you to know something. He says, I love the Father. And I do exactly what he tells me to do. You could say, and nothing more, nothing less. He wasn't motivated by what everybody else is motivated by. And great leaders sometimes will pull away almost into obscurity. And maybe there's a secret to that. Maybe some of the greatest people in the Bible, you look at David and Abraham and, 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 and just you pick a person that did great things in Moses. They have these wilderness experience, cave experiences, mountaintop experiences. Why? They were pulling away. Maybe so that they could go further, not just faster. But longer. Are you with me, everybody? I, I had this quote that um, I heard Andy Stanley say. He says, our finest moments can be overshadowed by our final moments. So sometimes we're living for the finest moments, but we're not preparing for finishing well and for our final moments to be strong as well. A lot of times we're just running and gunning and we're not thinking about. And so I'm, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to do incredible things for God and get things done and, and, and achievements not important. But I'm just trying to get you to see that maybe it's predicated upon periods and seasons of rest. 
and unplugging and maybe even some obscurity in your life. Maybe those people that do that, that aren't preoccupied with all of that self-promotion, but instead preparation, maybe that's why they're, they're really successful. We did a whole, whole series on uh, the greats, you know, and, and attributes and characteristics of great leaders. Great people, not successful people, great people were humble people. Great people were people who would hide themselves away on a regular basis. We learned that about Jesus last week where he went off. When everybody was demanding something from him, he went off to be by himself with his God. And the Bible says he came back more powerful. Right? Are you with me, everybody? So, uh, uh, hidden drivers, but then there's God drivers. God drivers could be living for an audience of one. Another driver could be living by design. What do I mean by that? Living the way God created you to be. So God created you to do something and even before you came to be, according to Ephesians chapter yeah. 2, verse 10. A lot of you, let me say it like this. A lot of you have a 10 area. You're a 10 in something. Right. Amen. You may not be living in that 10. You may not even uh, operate it. You might be in potential 10. Some of you don't even know your 10. And that's why we do next steps here at Connect. We help people figure out not just how to know God, not just how to get free so that we're not always looking through the rearview mirror, in our, living in our yesterdays, but truly free. But then we want to help people figure out, what is it I was created to do? Your design reveals your destiny. Amen. It's connected. So one of the best ways for you to eliminate stress, to live in peace, is not to, like, Saul, like, like David did, wear Saul's armor. Saul had armor, and David put, he gave it to David and said, here, wear this to go defeat giants. David was a giant killer, but he couldn't kill a giant when he was wearing somebody else's armor. And he was stressed out, and he didn't have peace, and he did, his, his, his engine was off because he was carrying somebody else's design. But when he lived in his design, he had peace, and get this, he also had power. He had more power. Are you with me, everybody? This is a good preaching. All right, another God driver is a clear conscience or a clean conscience. Is this good preaching? Are you guys getting something out of this? Okay. All right. Let me just say it like this. God wants you to have all these things, okay? And you need to listen to this message again because I'm, I'm like going fast and furious with it. But a clean conscience is priceless. Amen. Your integrity. We sacrifice our integrity all the time. Every single day people are sacrificing their integrity and they're wondering why they're stressed out. Right? The Bible tells you and tells me that if your heart doesn't condemn you, you have confidence before God. See, a lot of us don't have the confidence before God. We don't have like that childlike faith. We're like, Dad, give me some money. <laughs> right? A child that knows their relationship with God is good, you know, that they have that confidence. Right. Dad's a human ATM machine. I have no concern. I have no worries. He's going to say yes. Right? But some of us don't even go to Dad with our requests and with our concerns because our heart is condemning us because we're not living with a clean conscience. Now, Jesus came, just for clarity and doctrinal sake, Jesus came not for you just to have your, the consequence of your sin paid for by his blood, but by his blood also it provides, in Hebrews it tells us, a clean or clear conscience. He wants to wash your mind, not just remove the, the sin that separates, but the stain of sin on your mind and on your heart and on your life. Amen? He wants you to have a clean conscience. And so instead of that dirty canvas 
almost like bleeding through every aspect of your life, he wants to give you a clean, clear, white canvas so that when you see what God sees, you can do as God says. Amen? Amen. So here's the app. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. We need to do that for a second. Thank you, Jesus. So, so the, first, the first thing to remember is in this value is reflection. Reflection. Okay, you got to reflect to evaluate your motives. You've got to reflect. You ask God, what is driving? What is driving me? That's the first one. The second one on on values. We'll get to that in just a second. But remember this with your motives. If you ask God to show you what it is, he'll show you. He'll show you what it is. Now, everybody say second dial is values. Okay, check your values. Check your values. Now, one of the reasons we don't find rest is because what we say doesn't manifest in what we do. There's an incongruency. There's a disconnect between what I profess and what I practice, in a nutshell. I can say it like this, and this is in the notes. Stress comes when our claimed values don't line up with our practice values. Uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, What good is it for a man to gain the whole world... What good is it for a man to gain everything, compromising, conceding, choosing the course of least resistance, doing what feels right, following everybody else, but yet forfeit his own soul? That word soul, it means much more than spirit. It's talking about your whole person. Jesus didn't come just to save your mind. That's one translation of the word soul in the Greek, suke. But he saves your whole soul, sudzo. That's the Greek word if you all want fancy stuff behind it. So he saves your spirit, mind, and your body. Jesus saves all of you, okay? But when you compromise your values, it affects all of you. Not just your emotions, not just your feelings and your will, but it also affects your body. When you compromise sexually, the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 6, it harms you. Sin is the only, it separates you from God just the same as any other sin, but sexual sin hurts you. It's harmful to you. Got quiet in this Catholic church when I started talking about sex. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, <laughs> so here's the key. The distance between the truth I know and the truth I live is the pain I'm experiencing. The distance. So we want to not feel stress. Everybody's trying to eliminate stress. And we're dealing with it through external methods and, and worldly concepts. The reason for stress is motives. The second reason for stress is values, a values issue. And the distance between those two things is creating pain. And what happens is the world says, okay, new behavior. Take your old school values and move them over to your new behaviors and you'll feel better. But you don't. Let's just get outside of the Bible. How's that working? In other words, this is all stuff I can do in the second service. I can't do in the first, but because of time. I have a little bit more time. But listen, I sometimes talk to, I'm just going to use sex again. I'm going to come back to that. Sometimes I talk to people who are having sex before marriage, okay? What's my position on that? It's a biblical one. Figure that out. I'll say to them, never mind what the Bible says. How do you feel about yourself in that situation? And you know what they always do? Sometimes they start crying. They'll say, I feel confused. I'm struggling, guilty, things like that. And here's probably why. Because at one time in your life, this was your value that you held. And what you did was you moved your value to your new behavior. And now you have stress inside. But if you would take your behavior and by whatever means necessary, move it over here to your value, 
you wouldn't feel guilt. You wouldn't feel depressed. You wouldn't feel confused. Can you handle this? That's what's going on. That's real peace. This is what people say with money. They, I'll say, hey, um, tell me about what is your core value on generosity, your stewardship, giving. Oh, I believe in giving. Oh, I'm a giver. Oh, okay. So are, do you believe in the tithe? They'll say, oh, yeah, I believe in the tithe. Yeah, I believe in the tithe. And then I'll say, do you practice the tithe? And then it gets silent. So are we having a prayer meeting right now? I'm sorry. I, I can't hear you. What's, what's going on? What happened? What happened? Where, where are you? Hello, hello, hello. You know, I do the same thing with church. I say, I, I say tell me about your relationship with God. Oh, is God, what is God in your kind of priorities? What is, what's your core value? He's the number one person in my life. He's the number one relationship in my life. And, and I'll say, okay, so tell me about your prayer life. What, what have you been praying about? You know, crickets. Uh, tell me about, what did you read today in your Bible? Uh, tell me about, what, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't go to church. Me and God are good. So you love Jesus, but you don't love his bride. Oh, 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 oh. Tell me about your gifts. How do you use those for God? I don't, what, what do you, what? I don't, so what I'm trying to say is, I'm not judging you, by the way. I'm judging me, too. I'm just trying to say, this is a hassle-free, you know, zone. I'm just trying to say, I, I'm trying to pastor you and say, this is why you don't have peace. This is why you don't have rest. This is why you feel stressed out. Because what you professed as a core value is not manifesting in your practices. That's why we have stress. That's why you're experiencing pain. So what's the answer? The Bible tells us to keep our word. Don't just let the living word shine light on you. Keep the word that he gives you. Keep the word. In Psalm 15, 4, it says, keep it to your own hurt and change not. Verse 5, it says, and those that do these things will never be shaken. So to get the benefit from the word of God, there's a temporary pain process where you keep your word even when it hurts so my core value like a tree with deep roots in it let's call it a palm tree the test comes and I'm moving you know and I might be bending but I'm not uprooting my roots are my core value and you can try to sway me but I'm going to come back by whatever means necessary to what my core and it's painful and it hurt a little bit but I'm not going to change that and so I have temporary pain for long-term blessing I have a little bit of this so I can have a lot of peace, real peace, not a facade of peace, not pseudo peace, not a band-aid, not just get through the night medicated, but wake up in the morning feeling a clean conscience, knowing that I'm serving an audience of one, knowing that I'm living on purpose. Are you with me, everybody? So, preach, pastor, preach. I'm trying, I'm trying, but there's only three people saying amen. So... Your second application point is first is reflection. The second one is conversation. So the first, with motives, you talk to God. You ask God, he'll help you. You talk to God, he'll reveal those things to you. This, with your values, you have, to, you have to have a conversation with someone else. So in other words, i got to go to Chris and say, Chris, I said this is my value. How do you think I'm doing with that? Am I under-promising and over-delivering? Am I a man that keeps my word to my own hurt and chains not? Do you see me practicing the things that you hear me preach about? Well, how's that going to happen? Well, not overnight and not with everybody. And not with Chris. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I it happens. This is why we have small groups in our church. So you can get to a point at some point in your life where you come out from behind your little pulpiteer, your little soapbox, your, your, your fig leaf, and you, you, get, you go there so you can grow here. Who are you, question, giving permission to poke their finger in your spiritual eye? 
and help you with that. Most people don't have people like that because they're not intentional. Just like I said, you have to be intentional about reflection. You have to be intentional about conversations like that. And when you have conversations like that, they will help pull you back to what you say you believe or what you want to practice. Are you with me, everybody? This is good. All right. That's why James 5, 16 is confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed or changed or transformed. Okay? So it can't happen if you're not doing that. Who do you do that with? So that's your, that's your application and question. Now, third final gauge. Are you ready? All right, this is, this is an interesting one. The final dashboard is check your schedule. Check your schedule. Why are we experiencing stress? What is going on under the hood? Where's this internal combustion coming from? It's your schedule, okay? And I would just have to say, this one you're going to be working on, like the other ones, for the rest of your bloody lives, okay? Because everything in your world is going to try to compete for your calendar, uh, let, me, let me do this with a story. Um, how many in this room would say, you're kind of a collector personality. You like to keep things. Uh, you have a predisposition like, this is important. I don't want to lose it. I want to go back to it. If you're that kind of a person, raise your hand. You're like kind of a collector. Okay. All right. Now, if you're the opposite, if you're more like a huck and chuck, raise your hand. The huck and chuckers, raise your hand. High fives. Huck and chuck. High fives. I feel, I feel you right now. So I'm on one side. One of the, so this is not across the board, and this is an old story. But back in the day, my wife would be more the collector type. She had a person. She had a place and a thing, a place for everything, okay? And it was important. It was important. And, I, and I'm more like, if I see that thing more than like three weeks we need, or two days or six minutes, I want to throw it away, okay? We're, I'm aggressive the other way, okay? She's in the audience, so I'm going to be nicer. Uh, but one time she went away. One time she went away on a trip. And when she went on away a trip, I had this like devious thought that, you know, I'm going to just huck and chuck some stuff while she's gone. Covert operation, baby. She's gone for a few days. I, can't, I don't remember why. And she goes away. And I'm like, this is awesome. This stuff I, I want to get rid of for the longest time. So I start hucking and chucking stuff, throwing it in the trash can. But I'm like, you know, she could see it. So I better, I better push it down deep in the trash can. You know what I'm saying? Down. Deep, 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 deep. So I remember her coming back from the trip. I meet her in the garage. The trash can's in the garage. I walk in the garage. I see the trash can. I see her. Immediately, conviction comes over me. Hi, baby. How are you? I started feeling weird. I started just like, oh, the trash can's over there. She's right there. It's going to be, oh, hello. And she looks at me, and she doesn't say anything. And she's kind of like, why does he act so weird? Something's wrong. What is he doing? Has he, has he been sinful? Like, what's happening, you know? And as she's walking by the trash can, she lifts her hand up over the trash can. I don't know if she's doing like a Jedi mind trick, you know what I mean? She looks at me, the force is not with him, but it is with me. I don't know why, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, she pulls the trash can cover off. I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, no, 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 I'm going to be exposed. And she starts going through the trash. I'm like, it's way down there. I'm good, I'm good. No, she's going deep, she's going deep. And she, all of a sudden, she's like, honey, why would you throw this stuff away that I've had here since 1972? I don't understand. <laughs> She doesn't do that all the time. <laughs> She's going to get her chance. She's going to want. My wife want to preach. If she preaches next week, you're going to know why. It's going to be because of this. All right? But all that to say, <laughs> all that to say, we have a hard time letting go of stuff. In fact, we keep adding stuff. We keep putting stuff. My friend Steve LaPointe used to say, Pastor Derek, you schedule stress on your calendar. 
That's what he used to say. You're so good with your calendar, but you put stress on it. <laughs> and so here's something that I want you to see. I'm not going to give you secrets to your, to like little methodological things for your schedule. I'm going to give you some principles more than practices. And here's, I'm going to give you two principles. And if you live these, they'll lead you to appropriate practices. Are you with me? Because principles precede practices. You have to think right if you're going to do right. And so the principle is this. To get your schedule in order, all right, you got you got to have principles. But often rest eludes us because we prioritize our schedule. We don't schedule our priorities. So some of you are good schedule people. You're having your little management meetings. How cute. But you're not putting your priorities on your calendar. So is, are the things that you say are important on your calendar? If you say God is important, is there an appointment for God on your schedule? Like, for example, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying this took years for me to get this way, but the first thing I do before I work out, the, yeah. the first thing I do is I go down and get some caffeine, okay, uh, just to be honest with you. And the, okay, so maybe there's something to that. But, but it's, I, I have my devotions first. I have my time with God first. It's not me first, it's God first. Is, is he in your calendar? But he's, what we say is important. But we wonder why we feel stressed. If we say the most important relationship next to God is my spouse, where's that on your calendar? My family, my family time, my family is the most important. Where's that on your calendar? I'm just trying to get you to see you have to identify your priorities and then schedule them. And then everything else has to work around I work around those. Are you with me? Are you okay with this? Can you guys handle this, okay? And so this, this includes your, you too, your soul care, your self-care. Self-care is not selfish. Where, 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 where's your doctor? Some of us haven't been to a doctor. I, I was so bad at this. I hadn't been to a doctor for like 25 years. 25 years didn't have a checkup until I had a major health crisis in 2012. That doesn't happen anymore. And that won't happen again, okay? And, and so, so I'm not judging you. I'm just trying to say this is why there is, there is a lack of peace or there is stress in our lives, okay? We, we always want more. Two is better than one is what we think. Two, one dollar is good. Two dollars is better. One scoop of ice cream is good. Two scoops of ice cream is better, right? One car is good. Two cars are better, right? One kid is good. Two is? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. One spouse is good. Two is? <laughs> A bad idea, bad, 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 bad idea. <laughs> it reminds me of the student who went to his professor in seminary. He said, why does Solomon have so many wives, a thousand wives? The professor's like, well, that's, that's easy. He came home hoping one of them would be in a good mood. <laughs> I heard another person say they hoped that one of them would be in the mood. <laughs> That's a better joke. Okay, second principle. Second principle is this. Okay, you schedule your priorities. You don't prioritize your schedule. The second principle is this. You, you, your priority will determine your capacity. Your priority determines how much you're capable of doing. And even if you don't get it all done, at least you would have done the most important things. So I'm going on vacation in a couple weeks with my family. And the rule was always when the kids were young, all the luggage, all the stuff that has to go, just bring it out into the driveway. And somehow, it's not science, it's, it's a miraculous intervention of God. I'll get it in the cars, okay? And I learned there can't just be a, just randomness to the, to the filling and the, and the putting of luggage into the vehicles. No, I had to identify what is the most important things that we need to take on this trip. 
Are you with me? Interestingly enough, when I got the most important things in, somehow, some way, we were able to get all of it in. Many of us start with, we don't start with our priorities, and therefore we don't get it all done. And then on top of that, we're not getting the most important things done, and we feel terrible about it. Priority, everybody say, priority determines capacity. So, here's some practices as we conclude. I just got to encourage you guys as your pastor, make a daily appointment with God. Get back to it. Come on. Don't, you're going to take some vacation time this summer? Don't take a vacation from God. If you don't know what to do, get a one-year Bible. We have got tools a mile long online right now, media. We've got, you can go back, listen to our YouTube channel. We have thousands of videos on our YouTube channel that you can listen to, podcasts that you can listen to you in, in your car. It goes back for a long, long time. I don't even know, over a decade of material that you can listen to. Uh, the other thing I was just going to encourage you to do is Sabbath weekly. Find a way to Sabbath. Fight for it. Talk to pastors about it. Talk to leaders about it. How do you do it? What does it look like for you? What do you do on your Sabbath? We don't have time for that today. Might talk about that next week. But it's, it's a commandment, guys. I just need to tell you as your pastor. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. I don't, I don't have to get up here and say, stop murdering, stop doing adultery, stop lying, stop bearing false witness. I don't have to tell you that. But I do have to tell you, stop not Sabbathing. Rest. Get a day of rest. Watch what God does when you honor him, when you protest against self-sufficiency. Watch what he does in your life. Are you with me? Okay, so this, this first point is about reflection. The second one is about conversation. This third one is about pre preparation. Preparation, all right? The first one we ask God. The second one we ask someone else. The third one we ask yourself. Does my schedule reflect my priorities? Does my schedule reflect my priorities? We want rest. We want peace. If we do these three things, I promise you, you will find it. We stand your feet. I want to pray for you. Amen. The worship team can come. It's a tough message, isn't it, everybody? Turn to your neighbor and say, that's tough, but it's good. Come on. You love how it hurts a little bit? I just got to say this. Success on this is not a day, guys. It's a daily thing. This won't happen overnight. But don't, don't, because of that, don't walk away doing nothing. Let me, let, me, let me share this one final thing. This woman told me last week, she said, Pastor D, from this church, she said, Pastor, the message you brought last week was so for me. I had a guy in the last service come to me crying. I think security thought there was a problem because he was hugging me. He was holding me so tight. Grown man. He said, I just learned the secrets to why my life is a wreck. He just told me that. I just learned three secrets why my life is a wreck. And he just held me so tight. Grown man. Last week, a woman said to me, though, she said, Pastor, I needed this so bad. It was just for me. She was a single mom, three kids, working hard, a, a full-time job, going to school on the side for an MBA, totally stressed out, all these hidden drivers. She was just struggling, struggling, struggling. And she said, you know what, Pastor? Listen to what I'm going to say. She said, sometimes I pray that I get sick so I'll stop. I just want you to close your eyes while I ask you this question, just between you and God. Just, just listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit right now. Listen to what the Holy Spirit saying. Do you need to get sick before you stop? What has to happen? Do you have to overheat? Does your engine have to overheat? Your car engine have to literally just blow up before you stop doing those things? Holy Spirit, you do the rest right now. You transfer this message to people's hearts, individuals in this room. Lord, help bring balance, rhythm, peace, 
true rest into the hearts and minds of my family, my spiritual family. Help me and help our, our leadership to live a better example of this. God, I used to run people into the ground, including my family and my wife and my staff. Help me to lead better in this area. Just like David prayed, God, search me. Show me my hidden drivers. God, show me people that I can give permission to speak to me about my values. God, help me to live my priorities in my calendar. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap for his word as we worship?